0: Well, hello there. This is Sex and Ethics. I said that the right way. Sex and Ethics, the podcast. And I'm Sharon Lamb with Madeline Broot. And we're coming to you straight from the pandemic in beautiful green Vermont, where getting greener and decreasing in pandemic numbers, COVID-19 cases, day by day,
1: feeling very
0: safe
1: and sound here. And where are you? I am now in Oklahoma. For our listeners, I just started my very first job out of graduate school as an assistant professor at Oklahoma State University. Um, Woohoo! Yay! So I'm coming from a very hot place that is variable in how it's doing with COVID, uh, depending on the day.
0: Well, I'm sure that that people are just right back on campus and testing out
1: the authorities to see uh, how hard they're going to come down on a party or two. Definitely, that seems to be the case. We've definitely had some Students having a great time, maybe not being as cautious as they could be, but hopefully they'll figure out ways to have fun and still stay safe.
0: Well, that's cool. I guess I want to say that now that you're a professor like I am, all of the power differential is gone, right? Yeah. (laughs) Salt. (laughs) We're totally on equal grounds now, right? (laughs)
1: <laughs> we are, and yet you still have all this like wonderful advanced knowledge that I have yet to grasp. So,
0: And you have all this wonderful, cool, uh, with it, younger person knowledge that I am uh, hoping to learn from today as we discuss the controversial, I don't even know what you call it, do you call it a song, a rap song and video? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. WAP WAP, WAP, which if you haven't heard this yet, listeners, because I realize that there, you know, I hadn't heard of it until Madeline told me about it. It stands for white ass pussy, right? So that was very provocative of you to, to ask me if I wanted to discuss this. We'll talk about why you provocateur you.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I was very challenged by this, but first let's talk about just saying the word pussy on whatever podcast, radio, public TV,
1: wherever. Yeah. So when we were talking about this beforehand, I said, I was fine with it. And you said you were too, but there was a history behind the word pussy for you. And I think this might just be indicative of the way that language grows and changes. What what was your first associations with it?
0: Well, it's a nasty word. (laughs) I mean, it was like Mm. a derogatory word, just like cunt is a derogatory word. And I guess it's been reclaimed. It hasn't been reclaimed enough for me to use it. And so this is going to be, you know, it's going to, you know, stick in my craw (laughs) (laughs) today, every time I say the word pussy, but it, it was a, wasn't a sexy word. Yeah. Way back when. I don't know if there was a sexy word for vagina, but I know that I was part of a movement where saying the word vagina was like, stop calling my vagina something, you know, cute mm-hmm. or something dirty. It's a vagina. So that's but I guess we've come we've accepted that. The second waivers have, you know, made a difference and now Absolutely. people can call their vaginas
1: whatever they want to call them. Yeah. <laughs> And I think that's so interesting because so for me in my friend circle, I think we use the words vagina and pussy, but they come in really different contexts. So when we're talking about a political thing or talking about anatomy, we tend to use the word vagina. But most of my friends, when we're talking about sex or sexual things, they refer to their vaginas as pussies. And I think for me, it's almost like a way to kind of get less clinical I think that's the way that lots of my friends use it and so it's really interesting that something that was derogatory and was discouraged to use now is kind of a way for I think lots of folks around my age to kind of try and be freer with their sexuality.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can get it. It still it still is um it still has that feeling for me to I don't know a little not I don't really care like about saying things that are dirty, but it has a dirty sound to me. Yeah, <laughs> and cunt has an aggressive sound. Not pussy has dirty, nasty, and cunt has like an aggressive sound to it. Yeah, calling you that. And what's another word for vj? B- b- g- b- 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 wait, vjv? B- c- b- what you are you know? talking about? V-
1: Vajazzling? Java- That's the only thing I can think of. <laughs> uh, <laughs> j-j, I don't know. The Self- jj? I think yeah, is j- j- what
0: some j- j- folks j- j- called it. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's kind of cute, but I do associate with like the housewives of New York or something like
1: that. Yes, 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 yes.
0: Okay, so we're going to use the P word. We're going to say it. And, and
1: I noticed that NPR calls it the P word, that they're not yes. saying the C in the air. Well, I, in the NPR stuff I've listened to, they're like, we can't even tell you what WAP stands for because we can't say those words in that sequence. So here you go. Figure out what WAP is.
0: (laughs) So, so great. So now we know what to call it. And we're, and, and you looked like so surprised when I said that I was kind of provocative to have me talk about this. So let me explain why. As my fan base, (laughs) that's what Cardi B calls my fans. As my fans know, I was a co-author for the Sexualization of Girls Task Force Mm -hmm. Report, and before that, I wrote a book with Lynn Michael Brown on the packaging girlhood, and in it there were there was a lot about the sexualization of girls and girlhood, and the idea that and a critique of the idea that it was always empowering to be sexual and that the sex and and there's also that piece I wrote for sex roles that we had a lot of different people respond to where I was arguing that adolescent girls were finding their sexual empowerment by imitating a kind of a, what they thought was empowering was a kind of a male sexuality, not like I mm-hmm. knew what healthy sexuality is. Anyway, I don't know what it is. I still don't. I've researched it for 30 years. I have some idea, but I, I also have a, an ear for and an eye for when somebody's you know grabbing something from what men have said, is sexy yeah. and empowering, and reenacting that. So I have to admit that my first take on WAP—do we call it WAP? What do we Wep, call it? Yeah. WAP. Yeah. Um, my first take on it was, in a more of the same. But but I knew that that was kind of an, you know, old-fashioned kind of look at it. And I find Cardi
1: B adorable she is so adorable oh my god i have been watching i i started i officially think i am a barty. honestly i don't even know like i i've been following I just her be her aunt. the pandemic <laughs> i love her
0: she's delightful she is she is very and so did you know her well before this time
1: Yeah. I knew her a little bit. I'm not super into rap music uh, just because I don't entirely understand the depth of history and references that are present in there. It's truly like an inside language that I just don't have the history for. But I knew about her because her and the other famous rapper, Nicki Minaj, are often in conflict with each other. And so there's a gossip podcast I listen to that talks about their back and forth of like dissing and their fans getting upset with each other and stuff like that.
0: It sounds thoroughly (laughs) pre-planned, just when you say that. Yeah,
1: (laughs) well, I mean, I think that's a a familiar topic when it's a largely male-dominated industry, there can only be one lady and then all the other ladies have to fight each other out to see which one of them can be the top lady.
0: And forbid there's
1: multiple ladies who are excellent in a particular field. (laughs) Well, that makes sense. Well, I
0: just remember her on um, SNL when 80 Bryant decided she was going to be 80B and just stopped taking shit from everyone yes. <laughs> all over the place there. I thought that was pretty funny. Um, but she's so sweet. I can see how she um, got that fan base that led to her becoming this super celebrity and mm-hmm. star. So, yeah, I want to be her aunt. I was saying that I felt it was a, a little provocative to be asking me to comment on something like that, and then to and then I wanted to push back my re- past my first response. And my second response was, "You remember that I liked rape jokes, and I really was trying mm-hmm. to find my way around any kind of entertainment, anything that's funny." make me laugh most of the time you can get away with anything so i was sort of going from that that perspective and i think that i I, and then the word you know clown came up now i didn't realize until i looked up on urban dictionary that that means a fool you know so i don't mean any disrespect when i said that i felt that she was clowning around about you know, I mean, there's a fountain. You look at this mansion, and all of the wet from her pussy is coming down the steps. It is a hell of an entrance, honestly. <laughs> What's the word? It's a uh, b- b- body and uh, burlesque. Yes, exactly. So as I started thinking of it that way, I started enjoying it. And I recalled that in high school, I wrote a dirty version of The Wizard of Oz, which I think
1: was... <laughs> that sounds know, so interesting. Definitely. If I only had a dick.
0: <laughs> <laughs> if I only had the sex education, that was the, that was the scarecrow. I love that. If I that. only had a dick was the tin man. And if I only had the nerve... That's the Cowardly Lion. This was with my bestie, Diane, at the time. That sounds
1: fantastic. It sounds like if I only had a dick, could be the next, like, trans power musical song. Oh, my
0: gosh. Let's do it. (laughs) Okay, well, tell me about your reaction and how much you, you obviously loved this.
1: So, I think because I have been trained by you and have heard those critiques my enjoyment of the song is not, you know, blinded to those aspects because I think there's definitely aspects of sexuality that use the male gaze in an unhelpful way in this song. I definitely think both uh, Megan the Stallion and Cardi have a a significant kind of history engaging in levels of sex work, uh, depending on where you want to put strippers. And so I knew that they were much more comfortable with displaying aspects of their body. I mean, like the other song of Cardi's that has been really big is Bodak Yellow and she is similarly levels of naked in that video. And obviously she has engaged in plastic surgery to help her perfect what her appearance is to be that kind of classical hourglass shape that we are really appreciating now. I think there was something different to me about the song that felt a little different compared to some of the very like sexualized videos I've seen. So the person I think that talked about it the best is Michelle Cressfield, um, who did a a, talk, uh, a write-up of the song on Conversation. And she said, the opening line, I said, certified freak seven days a week sets the tone for a song that celebrates sex as a potent vehicle for personal expression and the development of individual autonomy. And for me, it was just really striking to see a song about women's pleasure go so viral. Uh, because it's not talking about, you know, like his, the man's experience, because obviously we're talking about this in a heterosexual way, but we're talking about like, you are going to go down on me, and here's why, and here's how, and you're going to like it, because I think, you know, inside of masculinity, you're supposed to only give women pleasure with your penis. That It's not allowed to give women pleasure in other ways. And so for me, that was really striking, especially because of conversations that have been had inside of the rap community about sexual cunnilingus on a woman. Khaled, DJ Khaled, who like I only know through his like shout outs on his songs. He says that he is a king and he will not go down on his female partner because he is such a king. And so for me, in this particular genre of music, I was like, wow, they're talking about women's pleasure. This is kind of cool. And then since then, Cardi on social media has been promoting the women who are in the video with her, has been sharing sex ed things, including appropriate (laughs) hygiene to make sure that you don't get UTIs after you have sex. Like (laughs) she provided more sexual health information about vaginas than I think I honestly had in sex ed class. And so- I think there's a lot of really good positives here and a lot of replication of what we've already seen before and what we know is problematic.
0: Right. I mean, I love that aspect about wetness being, you know, uh, something that's just that, It's not for somebody. It's not, I mean, whenever you hear about wetness in a male rapper, like, because I listen to rap all the time, right? But you hear about that. It's really, I'm making you so wet kind of Mm -hmm. thing, instead of somebody glorifying in their stuff. And, And of course, you know, when you have discharge or when you start to be wet, when you're a girl you think what is going on and this is yucky and smelly and disgusting or whatever Mm -hmm. and instead it's just so celebrated and so you know reveled in you know (laughs) so I love that I love that aspect of this and and it is a reclaiming and and it is fun and I wouldn't even mind I mean we'll eventually get to the what about the children question yes as always (laughs) whenever we're
1: talking about sex they have to be protected somehow oh my gosh (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> but I do, I do wonder, I do
0: wonder if I, I even think that's sort of a cool thing for little girls to hear about somebody enjoying that part of their mm-hmm. uh, sexual experience with a bucket and a mop. <laughs>
1: <Is> that <laughs> that? <laughs> anyway. I think this, this conversation is so nuanced. I wanted to kind of focus our attention into this particular lyric that I think could help us kind of dis- look at how this is kind of dialectic here. So in the first verse, Cardi says, I don't cook, I don't clean, but let me tell you how I got this ring, which I thought was really, really interesting. I wanted to hear your thoughts on that particular lyric because that was one that stuck out for me.
0: Oh yeah, well, you know, the the only lyrics that I really have a problem with are the ones about ask for a car um, while you ride that pay my tuition just to kiss me on the whatever it was. I guess I didn't write that word down there. Yeah. It's the, it's the, is that what sexual empowerment is? The power to use your sexuality to get men to buy you things? Okay. Yeah. I'm just like, no, I don't like that part. (laughs) You either? Yeah.
1: I, I didn't like that part either. And then I think I've listened to this song multiple times since I first kind of brought this up as a potential topic and I think even within that it's interesting that she said I don't cook I don't clean right she's so at the same time she's buying into this kind of like ways to achieve monetary wealth in our very patriarchal society at the same time she's kind of pushing up against some of the expectations for what she should be doing so it's interesting to kind of see where she is in terms of her feminism discourse i don't have to be the perfect housewife but in order for me to be a good woman and to get all this stuff from this guy i do have to be of a high sexual prowess I guess is how I would say. Why do you think she had to go into like he had to be a cobra, he
0: can't be a snake and she wants to gag and she wants to choke on him on that little dangly thing (laughs) in the back of her throat? I was listening to somebody on the podcast, which podcast was this? This was Imperfect Strangers and she was thinking, I can see them in this, you know, in the room where they're all inventing these lyrics that nobody can find a rhyme with (laughs) uvula. I know, (laughs) it's very
1: clever. I was also stuck by that because for me, it sounded like a size queen thing. And I think being a size queen is just as unhelpful as it is to like criticize a, a woman's appearance because, one, that's like reducing someone's worth to the size of their penis, which just feels not great to be objectified in that way. And two, it says something about like the correlation between having access to such financial resources and having a large penis that felt like kind of weird that you can assume those two can go together. Oh yeah. Well, tell me what a size queen is. Oh, a size queen is someone who enjoys very large penises. So within the gay male community, I've heard references of like you have to have a a penis that's eight inches or longer, but I know some other people who said they need another certain length of a penis. There's certain people who probably, have created an identity for themselves based on their preferences for a size of a penis in their partner, which is very right. interesting. She's talking about width, I think, rather than length, because a garter snake can, you know, I mean, well maybe. Maybe I, both. I don't know enough about snakes. We're we're noticing a ga- a knowledge gap for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean she's really
0: enjoying getting pretty nasty too with that line about being a uh, I'm a bottom feeder. <laughs> Yeah. And she's enjoying that. I mean, I what I what I appreciate in this discussion about this and among women is that for years and years, decades, men have been able to say the raunchiest things about Mm. women and as soon as a woman says something raunchy it's
1: oh oh heaven forbid (laughs) i might have to go to my fainting couch oh my god (laughs) so i totally
0: get that this is progress in some way that a woman can be as dirty as a man yeah and and, and it can be kind of funny and fun and i totally get that it's not instructional you know like a rapper Mm -hmm. isn't and i don't even want to say a but as you say, I get that. I, and I think that's important that she be able to uh, do, uh, you know, sort of stuff that men can do too.
1: Yeah. So I had a conversation with my husband, Bob, about this because he, is really knowledgeable about rap and like the history of some of these things. And so whenever I want an insider perspective on some of the words that people chose and why, he's a really great kind of person to talk to. And so he pointed out a variety of songs that are all about penises that I actually know and had no actual like recognition that it was about penises. So the Whisper song is almost entirely about penises and male sexual progress by the Ying Yang Twins. There's also a song called My Dick which apparently is quite popular that I hadn't heard before. And then there's Love Gun and Magic Stick. And so for me, I'm wondering how much of this is misogynoir in addition to like generally feeling uncomfortable talking about sex. That it's You're something about- another
0: word I don't understand. What is that?
1: noir? So it's misogyny with the word noir after it, N-O-I-R. It's a concept developed by Moya Date. Bailey so it's this particular version of misogyny that black women experience okay and I'm wondering how much is that a factor here because Megan Thee Stallion in Cardi it's a black woman and an uh, Afro-Dominican woman and so I'm wondering if that's part of the reaction here because obviously like white women have been sexualized inside of pop for forever I mean Britney Spears like we don't even have to start labeling them but they haven't caused it I think quite this amount of discourse in our culture has that well, been I've your I also experience? read that there
0: was a there was a um, a petition to try to get Kylie Jenner out of the video. I'm not, that it's gotten a lot of signatures, and I'm not sure why because I'm not up on that. Is it because she's white or
1: that? She's a Kardashian, so just- It's that she's white and that she's a Kardashian, but also several years ago, Kylie participated in a Pepsi commercial. I'm putting air quotes around this. The last time we had a big cultural upswell talking about black lives, that'd be in 2015, 2016. And at the height of that, she engaged in a Pepsi commercial where she gave, she was protesting and there were cops and then she gave a cop a Pepsi and magically that solved all problems. Oh, I remember that. Yeah. 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 But like so much in Kardashian has happened since then that, you know, one can easily forget but generally a lot of people are not big fans of her, but particularly in this moment in time, now that we're focusing on the need to make black lives value more in our society, they're like, boo, don't like her. I believe she's also the only white woman who's in the video. Everyone else is a person of color.
0: Right, right. And I think Cardi defended that by saying, I went to her daughter's birthday party. She was really nice to me and my daughter and her mom. Yeah. Gave lots of good advice. <laughs> it was just like a, a normal kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah, we're kind of friends. So I just, you know, she wasn't taking it. I just it. threw her in. It's not a big deal. <laughs> and she was saying about somebody else who's a superb dancer, not, um, I don't think it, it was uh, Megan Thee Stallion. hmm um, Right. with somebody else she was saying well I couldn't have her opening doors she's such a good dancer she has to dance so I have kind yeah. of opening doors <laughs> 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 I don't know it made sense to me <laughs> yeah I mean that makes a lot of sense to me gosh I'm just looking at all my notes from all these podcasts I heard so I, I listened to the saying whatever we want podcast I think like what was so important and, you know just because as our fans might not know we're both white I identify as white. I, I guess I never asked you, Madeline, but I'm just thinking you're white. I am very white. Right. And I'm just thinking, well, I just really don't want to talk about this unless I hear what some Black women have to say. So they sang whatever we want. I enjoyed listening to them because they were like totally into the, totally into the song from a perspective of loving rap for all these years and hearing men do this and accepting it. You know, mm-hmm. and if we're going to accept that, then, you know, she has a right to do this, too. There was a woman of color in this uh, podcast called Keep It who said just, uh, you know, they were loving it, too. It was, it was like men, I think they're culture, intellectuals or something. And this one woman who's with them, she said something. I'm all for it as long as it's not on the backs of other Black women.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm like, oh, okay. And it just went by. Nobody picked up on that. And then I thought, I wonder what she's thinking. Uh, if that seemed worth pursuing. Yeah. Um, is, this, is this going to be harmful to Black women? And I guess that's what the Republican conservative guy that you had, you know, you said. Ben in- Shapiro. Yeah, that, you know, it says that you're degrading, you know, Black women are more than this, you know, you're playing into every stereotype of the oversexed, she's got to have it, Black woman. And this is my only argument against that, that it is, and besides just that it's fun and it's playful. And that's that there are certain, and when Lynn and I were writing about this stuff, Impacting Girlhood, We're saying, you know, we like pink too. I do like pink and I like girly things too. It's just that when everything about girls and women is pink and pretty or something, it shuts out all the other ways to be. So now the question is, can this song and video exist now because we have so many other powerful Black women that this is not the only way to power? Yeah. So it's not saying, girls, this is your only way to power because you don't have access to being vice president or yes. first lady or all mm-hmm. the other ways that Black women are powerful. And, you know, have, have we gotten to that point where it's okay? It's just kind of one way to be and and not even a way to be, but okay to make fun of that way to be?
1: That's mm-hmm. the question. That's so thought-provoking. I really appreciate you bringing that in here because it seems like most of the cultural reaction to this is not to expect young girls to go out and be Cardi, to be Megan. It seems like most of the responses have been this kind of joyful, positive thing of people feeling seen by the song. And as like you and I, who are more systems thinkers, know, you know, there's always cons to that, right? Because what are we reflecting? We're reflecting our very imperfect and biased world when we're trying to feel seen. But is there a middle ground that we can still enjoy stuff, even if we know that it's not perfect, oh, I like hold that. it up as a cultural kind of artifact of where we are right now in 2020? And I think that it's
0: important that that it is discussed and provocative right now and not something Mm -hmm. that just went by as another dirty song or something it raises a lot of questions and interest and and I don't think we're at the point where god I hope we're not at the point where the general population looks at that and says or thinks something demeaning about black
1: women and sexuality I hope not and yet this is 2020, so anything is possible at this point. Yeah, that's the fear. I don't
0: know. One. When-
1: Uh, one thing that I was thinking of with the comments from that podcaster is like I hope this doesn't hurt more black women is one of the features of this kind of press coverage of the song is what lengths Cardi went to as a director of this video and as a producer of this song to ensure that people were protected as they engaged in work on this video so she spent over $100,000 on COVID tests for everyone who was involved in the shooting uh, of the video for me that's such a significant high of this of how she's trying to approach some of her work um, that she's trying to be thoughtful she's trying to still have fun and she's trying to still protect the people who are around her because you could have had a full group photo shoot for this but she chose to have individual people doing green screen after they've been appropriately covid tested
0: you know that's a really interesting point that these videos and lyrics don't exist on their own they exist in a context they exist in a context of a superb attention getter because that's what cardi b is i mean she's an influencer in that sort of thing and also in the pandemic oh gosh i just remember that there was all that leopard stuff too which has been is that a reclaiming of some i mean all of our analysis 20 years ago was about the sexualization being demeaning by putting women of color in animal skins. Mm -hmm. So is it a reclaiming now? But I mean, the, the context of this is, you know, her popularity, the pandemic, and male rap, people call it like aggressive pussy rap from the past, where, you know, people are dominating and things all about that. And, you know, I think that that context counts. That's what I'm gonna come down and at, at the end saying context counts and somebody who doesn't know that will look at that and go, horrors. Okay. Oh. Yeah. But somebody who knows the context says, Oh, what are they doing here? Yeah. It's sexy. Mm-hmm. I must admit <laughs> there is something in your face sexy about that sort of thing. I guess that's what porn is. I guess that's what porn is that gonzo porn is doing the stuff that you know is kind of disturbing in porn but was at the beginning of hustler magazine when he was doing porn on pregnant women porn on an 80 year old woman porn it was like kind of trying to be funny and in your face you know but his overall demeaning attitude towards women was the context of this? Yes, and that's what porn—you know—the overall demeaning and objectifying attitude towards women in porn is the context of something that could be funny when Joe the plumber comes to the door and says, "Can I fix your pipes?" Oh, yeah. gosh! <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: Ooh, that reminds me—you had sent me a fabulous key and peel s- sketch. Oh, right, and for me that in my head is context so I have seen that sketch I love that one for folks who are not aware it's a key peel sketch where they pretend to be teaching a class to like 20 30 men about how to go down on a woman yeah is that fair
0: yeah that was great but they're rap artists who go in there I uh, kind yes. of or MTV hosts or something like that that are going and doing a show And it's actually quite, I mean, if you look at the comments on YouTube, a lot of the guys are saying,
1: I learned a lot from this. (laughs) Yeah. Which again, kind of goes to that, you know, sex education, entertainment kind of crossover because of how poor our sex education is. But I think I watched that when you sent it to me this morning and I noticed it was in 2013. And I think... For 2013, that was radical as hell for them to like be talking about like licking your way out of the envelope factory and stuff like that, (laughs) which I think, you know, does have is comedic, but also it's funny. The reason that sketch was funny is because you assume that most men don't know what they're doing enough that they would have to take a class like this.
0: Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. I, mean, I, I guess I won't do the spoiler about the end
1: too. Oh, that was my favorite part.
0: <laughs> well, we'll do it. It's right, actually not two men giving. It's well. Uh, now that we know that Jordan Peele was really interested in horror movies and things like that. Yeah. They peel off their faces at the end, and they're actually women in disguise. <laughs> like thirty down, thirty million to go. <laughs> yeah it's their mission. It's their alien mission in life. I don't know. What else do we have to say about about the lyrics? And I guess maybe we can talk about the children. If I do not like the attitude that the the two women saying whatever we want podcast are saying was that parents, you watch out for your children. Don't ask celebrities to watch out. They didn't ask to be your child's role model. And I would like to say, well, yes, they did. Some people might not have asked, but they are. They are children's role models. You can't get away from that. Mm -hmm. Children listen to, I think there's probably even a kid's bop version of this coming out that's going to be, probably. they're going to redo that line about stirring macaroni in the pot, (laughs) which I thought was so funny. I got that right away.
1: (laughs) It was hilarious. But I mean, that's already started to happen. So I know there's been lots of memes on the internet of like older folks in younger people's lives who are saying, what does WAP mean? And then they'll make up something. But of course it gets hilariously misused. So I saw one that said like, oh, WAP means worship and praise. And so a pastor went into his congregation and was just like, let's all WAP.
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and this woman in imperfect strangers was saying that she she'd rather see a rap on a wild ass uh, wild ass pandemic because Ooh. that's what we're <laughs> There's some germs in this house. There's some germs. (laughs) Yeah, that's her joke. (laughs) i give her total credit for that. I also didn't like that background. There's some whores in this house, but I understand it must be some reference to some older rap.
1: I actually Googled that because I had no idea. Apparently it's a reference from a 1992 song from a producer who was pretty foundational in early rap and hip hop, but has since the course of time kind of had his impact you know, lost. But out of context, there's some whores in this house I think doesn't set, might be kind of unhelpful towards some of these more progressive ideas that we think might be present in this song.
0: Right, right. But, you know, let's let's deconstruct this in our way and just say, like, it's a reminder, you know, that's the foundation that they're building on, this guys who just got away with saying that kind of stuff. And if all these women in all these rooms are having fun turning themselves on, that they yeah. they all are, they're turning themselves on <laughs> in various ways, maybe through dance, I don't know, that, you know, they're having fun playing the whore in their mansions and saying what they want and what they do. And there isn't a man in that video, is there? Mm-mm. Okay, just saying. Right. They're having fun with all of these sort of oops, of raps, sort of I need somebody big or that sort of gag or choke on it and that sort of thing. But they don't really No, they're they're very happy by themselves gushing away.
1: One thing I think that it might be interesting to talk about, and perhaps we should do another episode entirely on kind of like cancel culture, which I know has been a a subject of kind of a lot of attention in the past couple of months. But I think Ben Shapiro, the conservative kind of person who first covered the song and maybe was one of the outcries about this, is that it's really interesting his rendition of it so for those who don't know I highly encourage you google Ben Shapiro WAP Um, he will give you a very dramatic reading of the WAP lyrics which are it's very amusing I think for me other than the memes that were making fun of him is how he introduced his wife into the picture for him for her to be included in the kind of conversation on this Sharon did you see this yeah go on so he tweeted out, and he was saying, "Oh yeah, hey, yeah, yeah, yeah I know I remember it's that. bad for vaginas to be wet. That's my doctor wife says that it's a sign of infection. If you're and that
0: wet, that you need a If bucket. you're that
1: wet, and I think he's." one, he's not understanding hyperbole and its use in art, which is very clear. I don't think he has taken enough liberal arts classes to understand the the use of that kind of device. But two, how he has kind of taken ownership of his wife in this particular way And also how he gets to be the arbiter of female sexual health, which is very odd.
0: Right, right. And I think that what he was setting himself up for the response, I
1: guess you're not pleasing your wife very much if this is unusual to you. Which is what the internet proceeded to do to much joy. (laughs) Oh, it had so much fun. But for me, one of the... As I was reading some of the stuff about this, Alex Abad Santos, who wrote this article on WAP, had a really great point that part of the reason, perhaps, that such people have had such significant stances on WAP might actually be to serve their larger interests. So Alex Abad Santos pointed out that he probably made a ton of money by this criticism Because he's always looking, you know, as a person who is trying to like make content during a pandemic, you're always looking for something new to talk about. And the fact that he was able to make so much money off of a song created by Black and an Afro-Dominican woman, what does that mean about our culture, that he can prey on this outrage in this way?
0: Oh, wow. You mean you think he gets sort of more advertisements for his whatever or something Mm -hmm. like that? More Republicans. Yeah. And that's capitalism, though everywhere that you know somebody's making money and you're jumping on i mean like that's what we're doing right aren't we making tons of money
1: oh we're millionaires because of this podcast absolutely for sure yeah a code for casper mattresses and ad is coming up next
0: oh well good good product placement from somebody who's not paying us <laughs> Thanks. anyway yeah i mean i can see that that I mean, but that's true for anybody who's building onto something that's really popular right? that that they're making money off of it. I'm not so I don't know, I'm not sort of buying into that argument totally. It, it seems too sophisticated a, a, ah. a switch. I mean, I think that, you know, anything that was liberal and progressive or a Republican or conservative would jump on and exaggerate mm-hmm. and run up to make money and get some more things. In these times, maybe people will jump a little more on women of color doing something mm-hmm. that they might consider demeaning or able to make fun of. In these times, two months away yeah. from the election, it's making me nervous. Okay, I want to go
1: back to the children. I was saying I don't. I was just, I was like, I interrupted your thought on that. Let's go
0: back. I don't like I don't like when um people say, you know, we must save the children. On the other hand, I don't like when celebrities say, I'm parents, you take care of your children and you know, I'm not making this, you know, rap for children. Well come on now, you were young ones. We all were young ones. I listened to Louis Lua you know I don't know what those lyrics are to this day but yeah. I what I thought they were <laughs> they were very dirty I know that lots of kids uh dance to my milkshake brings all the boys to the yard yeah I could teach you but I'd have to charge <laughs> 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 which are funny and it's a great beat but I know that they were doing that and they figured out what that meant too and you know it's pretty self-sexualizing for to please boys but all I can say is that these kinds of things teach girls about what it means to be sexually empowered and it's pretty limited so I hope that there's more that they have access to for sexual empowerment than this video but it's you know but it's okay if there's a realm again I go back to that it's okay if there's a wide world of ways that they're learning about sexual empowerment Mm -hmm. and that they're someday old enough to get the joke and not be horrified or intrigued. I guess I'm asking a pretty provocative question right now. If you were a nine-year-old girl, and this was the first little inkling of what it meant to be sexual and empowered that you saw, what would you make of it?
1: Um, I think I would definitely start practicing the splits. <laughs> <laughs> but in some sense, I think this is a perennial question we're just going to constantly be asking ourselves. Because for me, this weekend I watched the Netflix documentary series Video Games. And in there, they talked about the creation of the ratings for video games. Mm. And I also thought about Tipper Gore and the music rating system, and that this is something that we talk about every couple decades, right? Is that I'm really concerned about children having access to this, but also the ways that we try to formalize limiting children's access sometimes makes it more interesting. It would drive you to it. And yet, in my childhood, I know that I was exposed to a variety of content that was considered inappropriate. Like, I was singing Prince songs. I sang Little Red Corvette, which has, like, a pocket full of Trojans, or a pocket full of horses Trojans, some of them used. Ten-year-old Madeline had no idea what that meant, but now I know I was singing about condoms and how to have safe sex. Um, You know, as you say that, I think that it's just all about
0: It's all about the grand scheme of things. It's about context. Mm -hmm. If this is one little thing and and you kind of get the joke or you don't and you see it, it's no big deal. And um, many, I know from my research on The Secret Lives of Girls, many girls in that decade were very turned on by Prince too. Is that Mm -hmm. a problem to be turned on by a sexy singer? I guess I was turned on by George Harrison once a long time ago, Um, I guess there's nothing really, and I guess that there's something about, there's something about the exaggerated bodies that I worry about for, but isn't there enough variety right now? Isn't that sort of, isn't that sort of the name of the game about diversity, sexual diversity, and sexiness diversity, that if there's enough variety, some people will just think that that's one way of being sexy or one way of talking about it. And, you know, and I guess there's, you know, as long as we have equality or we reach for equality and we make some room for uh, women to uh, have careers other than by selling their bodies and or uh, selling their sex so that some man will take care of them, you know, those are you know, that's just a fun and playful way to, you know, I don't know. Where am I going on this? Well, I, guess I think I'm, you're confused. So... I'm confused.
1: I'm <laughs> confused. Well, I think a lot of this is just like, it depends and it is so context dependent. And one of the things that I was, I'm really interested to hear your thoughts on is how much of this concern over children being exposed to stuff like this is not necessarily about the content but about our assumptions about how sexless children are generally. Because I know that was part of your work on The Secret Life of Girls, but for you, what, what contribution do you think this has to that?
0: Well, I mean, think about Cardi B as Barbie, right? Because she's got those exaggerated Absolutely. breasts and butt and lips and, you know, and that's Barbie. And Barbie made a lot of people feel bad about their bodies, right? Absolutely. I don't think Cardi B's doing that. I don't think she's making people feel bad about their bodies necessarily. But I, I mean, I think it's because if if you don't think this is for men, her video, like she's performing this, she's not like a swimsuit model in Sports Illustrated. If she's doing this for her fans, men and women, and having mm-hmm. fun doing that, there's a different message than than that. I guess it's just about where men play a part in this kind of thing. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know know where they are. What do you think? I mean, Barbie was harmful. She did. Absolutely.
1: But the point you made about the variety of options that are now available to be viewed as attractive, I mean, part of the reason Barbie was so harmful is because Barbie was one of the only options and it was set as the ideal on a pedestal, but now we have so many other ways of kind of being. I mean, even if you look through Cardi's Instagram stories, she's reposting all different kinds of people doing the WAP dance, fat people, skinny people, black people, not black people, men, even um, some folks who appear to be non-binary or at least more gender fluid in their presentation. And I think it's interesting to think about what was her intention with creating this song and how does that kind of help us sit with this more or less comfortably with our ideals.
0: And is she making money on her body? I mean, that's a question because
1: mm-hmm.
0: somewhat, but not really as we, you know, her fan base came from her, wasn't her like TikTok, you know, or, or her tweet? Coronavirus!
1: <laughs> I think is where a lot of folks started to get to know her.
0: She's just funny and sassy, as they say. So people identified with her. Does she, like every female pop star, also get a male audience by like shoving this and that in their face? Yeah, you have to admit she does, right? Like Miley Mm -hmm. Cyrus and Wrecking Ball or that. But, you know, I think Miley Cyrus has turned out to be a a real person too and not just somebody who was like... I'm going to you know, show you my body to get a lot of drooling male fans. You know, I think that there was a part of that, like I'm grown up now, look at me. But then there was another part that was, I guess, Madonna-esque, like what Madonna did for mm-hmm. sexuality. But is good sex free sex? Everyth- anything goes. That's the, that's the central question for the sexual ethicist because she's celebrating a certain kind of freedom. And when you say all kinds of body types can do this dance and she's not, she's not uh, fettered to, she doesn't have an N word running her life like other women. She's her own woman kind of thing. That is that, I mean, is that the bottom line ethic? And then it isn't, because as you know, because of all of our work and, and caring communities, that we expand this and we think, is anybody harmed by this? Mm-hmm. And would you, does that mean you should stop anything, that somebody remotely might be harmed by this? And the question is, is our women of color being harmed by this? And we're kind of thinking, maybe not. Are little girls being harmed by this? It depends. Maybe not. Is this contributing to a culture that demeans women and women of color? Maybe not. And yet our society isn't advanced enough right now to say, of course not. This is a joke and it's fun.
1: Yes. Yes. I think that's kind of the ultimate takeaway. It's interesting to be having this conversation about Cardi B at the same time I know that there are pop stars that are different like ones I've ever seen before like Billie Eilish is so androgynous and so not sexualized that she provides an alternative way of kind of interacting in the world or like what is her name Likey Lee who is a very out lesbian person and really does talk about you know feeling comfortable or not comfortable in a plus-size body and what it means to like love another woman in a way that doesn't invite the male gaze. And so maybe it's more about argument, because
0: I was going to say, well, how popular are all these? Are you just super cool? And then I thought, no, these are popular people. Even I've heard of them.
1: (laughs) Well, I don't listen to either of those people, but I just know they're out there partially because they were on RuPaul's Drag Race, but also (laughs) because like, when I go to the iTunes store, they're all at the top. And so maybe it isn't necessarily about whether one individual artist product is concerning but what combination of those are present or not present in your kiddo's life if all you listen to is cardi b and britney spears i'm concerned if you listen to cardi b britney spears and billy eilish and you also listen to some random band from the 70s you know like how does all of those being present in your life at the same time, help your development as a child to have a great understanding of the diversity of bodies and ways to be. Yeah. Diversity.
0: That's that is the clue, because I think that's the clue to will the children be harmed to this when children have options, when they see a lot of different ways to be. Mm -hmm. And so what if some little girl plays and puts on some leopard outfit and does the sexy dance at home in front of the mirror and feels sexy in it? You know, I don't think that the boys in her class are advanced enough (laughs) or the Mm -hmm. boys in her life to not respond in a in a sucky way but she's doing it to feel sexy if you say where did these ideas that that is sexy comes come from it comes from a pretty heterosexist society Yeah. Well, where does any idea come from about how to be sexy that's what i mean like i don't know what's a Mm -hmm. healthy sexuality i can't pull it out of my inner yoga self and say yeah
1: you can't make a beautiful bullet-pointed list of you must have this It's so individualized and really what matters is that care ethic that we've been talking about.
0: And I guess I wanna say there is no authentic sexuality. There's only imitation. And the more you have to imitate and draw from, the more more it suits you and expresses you, but it's Mm -hmm. not like out of the blue. (laughs) Yeah. So I'm pulling from Barbie, I'm pulling from uh musicals, bye-bye birdie. And where did that song I Enjoy Being a Girl come from? It was I think it was Flower Drum song, which is actually quite interesting because it was an Asian character who's singing I Enjoy oh. Being a Girl. So, you know, all that feminine stuff. And then there's Gina Lola Brigida, and then there's the sex kitten and Margaret. I'm thinking of all of the the little girl images of what it meant to be sexy and, you know, provocative then, those don't go away. And, Mm -hmm. you know, thank God there have been some other sources (laughs) since then, and I am no longer trying to be a sex kitten. (laughs) (laughs) But, yeah, we all, we live in societies, and that's where we get the idea of what is sexual, Mm -hmm. and we don't want media to define it in one way, and we don't want men to define female sexuality in one way. But that doesn't mean they're not going to define it in some way that Cardi B draws from and that we all draw from. And hopefully we'll have a sense of humor to make a big, fun circus out of it. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, is that where we've ended? I think so. Any last things you'd like to say about Cardi B or the wide ass, White ass? White Wet. Ass. Wet ass. Why did you say wide ass? Oh, sorry. I think I was thinking of wide ass pandemic, wild ass
1: pandemic. <laughs> <laughs> Not <laughs> that I can ass. think of. I think we covered most of the stuff that was kind of going through my head.
0: Great. Great. Well, thank you for bringing this up on us. And I, I have another controversial topic for us to uh, talk about in a week or two. A friend of mine and a friend of hers together uh, wrote a book called The Sex Offender and the Feminist. and i thought we could interview her yeah
1: that would be amazing
0: okay that would be great and we can be like cardi b which is helping other women yes podcasts and giving them a little more voice in the world so i'm going to bring this to a close and want to thank dan torres for doing some amazing editing he's going to have to do Mm -hmm. (laughs) you listeners our fan base may not know much editing he's gonna have to do for this one but please God help us do your do your work Dan. I appreciate that you're making time for this still Madeline now that you're a busy professor in the thick of your first quote-unquote real job
1: <laughs> yeah it's this is always a fun time and I know our listeners enjoy kind of hearing our thoughts because I think we have really nuanced discussions whenever we talk about this stuff that are real life and not aiming to be like political pundits who are like, you must do this or you must not do that. So I, I really appreciate I'm having, having this time. back.
0: <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and my WAP.
1: <laughs> I was like, good job, mouth. Good job, brain. <laughs> so now uh, I'm going to say...
0: Cardi, be good. (laughs) (laughs) Cardi, be. Be good. You ready to say goodbye, Mel? Yeah. Okay.
1: Be Be good. good. (laughs) (laughs) Bye.